Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, a theatrical cut. I'm Sonia and sat next to me with his face for radio is Terry. I'm back. Hello dear. Hello, how are you? I'm alright. Uh, we missed you last week, I know you were here in spirit. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Ghost episode. Um, yeah, we did miss you last week. I say we missed you, we had trouble doing the mic drop. That was about it, really. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't told Richard I required him to do that. <laughs> I've not got to that bit of the podcast. Was there just five minutes of you staring at him, like gesturing with your eyes, dropping various things, <laughs> but not the mic? Um, it was awful. <laughs> anyway, um, Terry is here. He has prepared a buy watch bin. I hope he's not going to go too in depth with it because it this might. Is a ghosty one? Your ghost buy watch bin. He didn't get to do on the show because he wasn't here. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll t- let's just hand straight over to Terry and please tell us what your buy watch bin on ghost films. Do you want me to literally just go bang 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 with no explanation, or do you want an explanation? No, I, w- I want to hear your thoughts, but just not too much. So my buy. In a slight deviance from my stand-in last week, is insidious. Yeah, uh, I know Rich wasn't keen on it. For me, it's. I mean, I completely agree with what you guys were saying. Like the best ghost stories are like slow burners. It's tension. It's not necessarily. Wow, look, here's a big ghost. Although Insidious does have those moments. What I really like with Insidious is I think it has a really good storyline. I like the fact that it's the kid that's haunted, not the house, because they get rid of the thing straight away of why why wouldn't you just move house? Mm-hmm. But what I like with Insidious is there's lots of little details that you don't spot. I don't know if you remember, Sonia, the first time we watched it, that something happened. I went, oh, God, that was scary. And you went, what? And we had to rewind it and watched it. And then you shat yourself five yeah. minutes later. I do, I do remember it because I remember the scary times. Yeah. So I really, really enjoy Insidious. I think it's a clever idea. It's really... I mean, I think you covered it a little bit last week. It was a really cheap film to make. So I believe it was Blumhouse. And I don't know if you know, Blumhouse's model is they'll give anyone a million dollars to make a film. And if you do successful, your next film, you get five million and they up the ante. So that's why they, they make so many films, because they make them for peanuts. And Insidious made like hundreds of millions as well. Um, it, Paranormal Activity was a potential on the list, but I didn't think I could have that because one, you picked it. And two, I don't own it because I don't think I could ever watch it on my own. Uh, yeah, we do get scared watching I've that. watched it at the cinema with you and I've watched it with you on DVD yeah. once. I've not watched it since. I've never had an inclination to watch it on my when own. I, when I rewatched it for the pod, it was my first time going solo. I've watched the sequels on my own, <clears throat> which are not nowhere near as good. And then also Tale of Two Sisters could have been up there, but I didn't want to rewatch it. Yeah, we did discuss that, didn't we? Neither of us wanted to watch it. Because <laughs> that's one of the few <laughs> that's one of the few films I've had to turn off to watch again in the daytime because it literally gave me the shits. Uh moving on to my watch. So again it was tough between two. It was almost Ghost Stories, mm-hmm. which is a really good film based on a play which me and you went to see that together and shat ourselves yes. for an hour. It's the first time I've been in a theatre and shouted, fuck off, <laughs> towards the stage. And I wasn't on my own. Yeah, it's um, not. He normally shouts it at the lady selling ice cream when she sells out. He's like, what she, do you mean you don't have 50 tubs? Or she tells me that it's five pounds a tub. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a really good film. It's If you haven't watched the film because you've seen the show... They have tweaked it and changed bits and made things new, so it is there is stuff for you to get out of it if you have seen the show. 
I would say the show is better, but the film is worth watching. But I've gone with the film Innkeepers. Okay. So I've pulled this out. It's possibly one that a few people haven't heard of. I'm pretty sure we watched it together. Um, but because it's a recommendation thing, I thought I'd go for one that's a bit more that people haven't heard of. So this is, again, a very subtle film. It is basically set in a hotel which is open. It's its last weekend before it's being closed down and demolished. You've got two people working in it, this older guy and this younger girl. She's like obsessed with ghosts and when there's no one around, they basically, they think the, ha- the hotel is haunted and they go around with equipment trying to catch the ghost on film, etc. It's quite apparent that he doesn't actually believe in ghosts. He's just trying to sort of get in her good books and she's the one who's actually into good the ghost thing. Good books or knickers? Well, knickers, I believe, would be the ultimate aim. Um, there's, one other, there's one woman in the hotel... And then during the course of the film, someone else comes in and she has a bit of a spiritual background. So she becomes the spiritual guy telling people like, oh God, it's a bit scary. Um, but it's one of those ones where it is really... I mean, I can imagine a bit like Paranormal Activity, some people would probably call this film boring because it isn't thriller minute, it isn't. It is just... like I think in the first half an hour, the one thing that happens is literally like a... Dunk, just like the tiniest little movement and it scares the bejesus out of the person. And if you're actually engaged with the film i.e. not playing with your phone while you're watching it, it will get, make you jump as well because if you're invested in the film, it will really get you. There are a couple of moments where you do get a bit of a bah, jump scare kind of thing. But other than that, it's just really clever, really subtle. And I just really, really like it. Only about 140 minutes or something like that. But so I think there's only about four people in the whole 140 film. 140 minutes? What do you mean one hour 40? I meant 40? one hour 40, yeah. So 140 minutes, it can... Fuck off. <laughs> that would be a long film. Yeah, there's only like five people in it in the whole film. The two people and then three guests who occur at different points. Um, but yeah, just, I would really recommend it. Well worth your time. I don't know if it's, it's not on Netflix. I bought it when it first came out because it had a lovely cover. Um, but yeah. Is it the cover with the finger? The hand? What am I, I thinking I of? think you're getting confused with Insidious for The Last Key. The, maybe. The cover has the hotel. The skeleton key, maybe? Yeah, the skeleton key has a... The cover of this one is the hotel and all the chimneys have keys coming out of them. Oh, okay. But they sort of... Not like jarringly, it sort of looks natural, but they're keys coming out of the top of the hotel. Okay. Um, and then my bin, so... This was tough because I've seen can a I lot just, of... Can I just say, even though we're on the radio, Terry's put his hands on his hips to talk about <laughs> this, so it must be serious. Um... I've seen a lot of horror films and ghost films that I don't like and I think are shit. I couldn't remember any when I came into this, so this is just the worst film I watched when we <coughs> picked this as a topic. So it's the film Winchester. It wasn't. Oh, wasn't, Winchester's not that bad. My main gripe with it was, so I mean I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's kind of. I mean, one thing I sort of liked about it was it gets it from the from the get-go it's quite the ghost scares are quite big it's not one that gradually creeps up very early on you get quite heavy ghost scares so i did like that but basically there's one ghost in it who seems to have ridiculous amount of power over the house so the basic premise of the film is that it is mrs winchester who is the widow of the man who created the winchester rifle um, she believes that anyone who is killed by a Winchester gun will haunt her in her house. And she's basically forever increasing the size of her house, building rooms to house these spirits and ghosts and trap them within it so that she can try and live a normal life. 
based on a true story. Um, the pit, the house picture of the real house. It's fucking mental looking because it does. They did a very good job of recreating it in the film, mm-hmm. like where literally it's just like there is a random room here, and there'd be staircases that didn't go anywhere because they blocked it off, building a new room and stuff. Um, so yeah, basically all of the spirits are people that have been killed by Winchester rifles or other guns, and the company want to get her thrown off the board because they think she's mental. So they hire Jason Clark to come and like give her a sanity test, so to speak. And he very soon starts to uh, see things. But what they do a bit differently with this is he's a drunkard, so he attributes everything he sees to the fact that he's drunk rather than, oh, my God, there's a ghost in the house. So there were some good bits, but it's just, say, there's one ghost that for no reason, maybe I didn't sit here why, has such strength and power over the house and everyone in it that it just didn't make sense and sort of jarred with me a little bit. But as I say, it's not the worst film I've ever seen. I... I don't know if you got into this, but I struggled a little bit with what I defined as a ghost story as opposed to a film with ghosts in it or other things like... I know you mentioned The Exorcist. That wouldn't be a ghost story for me because that's like demonic possession. Yeah. Um, and there was another one. It was like The Babadook I thought about, but again, I thought that was more into the demon thing. It Follows, I thought that was more demony rather than out-and-out out ghosts. Um, so, yeah, so from what I could remember out of the films I watched recently, The Winchester would be my bin. Okay. I didn't mind it when I saw it, but yeah, I wouldn't have been it. I'd watch it. Um, okay, good. <clears throat> Moving on from that then. On Monday, we went to a secret screening, and secret screenings can be a bit hit and miss, can't they? Yeah. I mean, normally as well, what was strange with this one is normally they're up about a month before they're on, whereas this one only popped up about a week before the actual yeah. screening. As so. in, they're up to book, yeah. you mean? Um, with regards to the, I mean, you know that we go to these unlimited screenings where we get to see a film a little bit before yeah, it comes about out. A week or so, sometimes it? it's about a week, sometimes it's just a couple of days, um, and sometimes we get to see things uh, a good few months before they come out. Yeah, it Green with Book, that, um, Green, Green Book, Book. I what saw was the like other one? Four or five. Molly's Game. We Molly's saw Game. Ve- that was the other early. one we saw very early. Um, and with the secret screenings, they can be a bit hit and miss. We had Incredibles. Two, didn't we? Yeah. That was a secret screening. Um, the Hate You Give was a secret screening. Um, but we, we turned up on Monday fully expecting maybe 21 Bridges. Yeah, 21 Bridges or was I was Michael. hoping for last Christmas. Um, I would have walked out. But we got Le Mans 66. Or Ford which, versus Ferrari if you're in an international not, not listener. English, yeah. Um, so that was very exciting. Terry and I actually whooped and cheered. Um, As did many other people in the screening. And Terry pointed out, it's the first time we've been to a secret screening where no one's walked out. Yeah, not not to my eyes. Um, we also had a lecture on piracy yes. before the film started. By a very nervous we, girl reading from a shaking piece of paper. Which we haven't had before. Um, <clears throat> so that was interesting. Uh, but we were very excited because we did, we had already decided that we were going to talk about racing films. <laughs> Um, because of Le Mans 66 as well. But what a stroke of luck, eh? That we got yeah. to see it um, so much early. Now, Terry, what did you think of the film? I thought it was amazing. I really, really liked it. Mm. It was one that I'd seen lots of trailer for, and I was... I thought it had unlimited screening written all over it because it's they tend to be the films that people wouldn't necessarily run out and see, like Aeronauts, which we also saw last week. Um, but yeah, really excited. I mean, 
Christian Bale's one of my favourite actors. Matt Damon is a great actor. I really mm. like James Mangold as a director. I like racing films. I like driving films. So going in, I, I had high expectations, but probably knew I was going to like it, even if it wasn't a great film. But I genuinely thought it was a great film. I think it will be in and around the Oscar debate in yeah. February time. I mean, as ever, Christian Bale, you don't... Because this is one thing I was thinking, and this isn't meant to be a slight, but I felt like I was watching a film that had Ken Miles, who is Christian Bale's character, and Matt Damon in it. I can't detach Matt Damon from Matt Damon, if that makes sense. I've never watched Matt Damon in a film and not thought that's Matt Damon. Okay. Whereas Christian Bale wasn't Christian Bale. He was Ken Miles, like the the English accent, which seems strange on Christian Bale, even though he is sort of English, he's Welsh. Like again, his body transformation, he's got very skinny. But, yeah, I think they'll both be in and around the Oscar debate for actor. A lot of people, have, I've told quite a lot of people that we went to see this film and everyone says, oh, yeah, Christian Bale's English accent. I'm like, honestly, there is nothing to worry about there. Because no. um, the guy's actually brummy, so I think he's trying to get a hint of that in there as well. I mean, I, th- I, thought, I thought it was an excellent performance from both. I, As I, say, I don't think Matt Damon, Matt Damon. I don't think he was bad in it. Oh, I think no, he was no, very good, but he's <clears throat> Matt Damon, and I can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel that way about him. But I, I kind of see where you're coming from. But I think Christian, like you say, Christian Bale can just like transform himself. Maybe that. Maybe it's just because he was up against into, Christian Bale, yeah. who had disappeared into this character. Yeah, probably because he was up against Christian Bale, who who was amazing. And like you, I mean, I'm probably. Not, I don't think I don't like racing films. I'm not interested in racing. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure how this topic was going to go for me. Actually, it's fine. I don't mind racing films because obviously we... Not obviously, but we also had a discussion about what we were going to include. And actually, yeah. we were quite strict with this subject, I think. We were. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what, what we chose to talk about and how we came to that decision. But I really, really enjoyed the film. Like you say, I. it was over two hours long. Two and a half. It didn't feel like that at all. I was genuinely on the edge of my seat for oh, some of it. I literally went forward at place, yeah. places. Um, it, it was really, really thrilling and just so well done. I thought the racing scenes were really good. The... I think the relationship between the two leads was really good. Yeah, their relationship was, was really good. It was just so the relationship between Christian Bale and his his wife and kids yeah. was good as well. Normally, I don't give a shit about stuff like that, but they just I just they sort played of it just right. They didn't make her some horrible, overbearing woman. They made her like quite a nice, encouraging just wife. Just like yeah, just like really relatable and yeah, just normal. Mm. I thought I really loved the fight scene. Oh, the fight was amazing. When So Christian Bale and Matt Damon have a fight outside of uh, Christian Bale's house and his wife just gets a deck chair, just parks up in the front garden and just <laughs> sits watches, and watches them. Like this really naff sort of five-year-old fight where yeah. they're not really punching each other, they're just... But I like those kind of movie fights where it's just messy. They had one on Bridget Jones. You know, oh, that's a brilliant fight. Yeah, with um, Colin Firth and what's-his-face, um, Hugh Grant. I believe in a thing called love, I believe. Just having that ridiculous fight. <laughs> one of them get hit with a bin lid or something. Yeah. Which is how I think boys really fight. But yeah, um, really, really enjoyable. And I've everyone I've spoken to about it, I've said they've got to go and watch it. It's really mm. good. 
um, yeah, Defo Oscar buzz. I was reading that. some stuff, and one person said they didn't like the first half; <clears throat> they only liked the racing bit. But I thought all of, I really enjoyed the build up to it all because. I mean, I don't think it's... I think there's probably more before the racing than there is after the racing, but there's very much like the putting together the team, building the car, and then a section on the racing. But I thought all of it was really good. Um, like the drama between... Because essentially you've got Ken Miles, who is this driver played by Christian Bale, who's got a, a reputation for not necessarily playing by the rules. Mm, for being difficult. Yeah, there's a bit quite early on in the film where he throws a wrench at Matt Damon and smashes his own car windshield. Um but then goes on to win a race. Yeah, it goes on to win a race with a bit of tape on it because that's what he does. And then Matt Damon... So essentially, the film, if you're not aware, is about when Ford decided that they wanted to make their car a bit more desirable for people. So they decided to enter the Le Mans 24-hour race, which still happens but isn't as big a thing anymore, which Ferrari dominated it. And the idea was, we're going to beat Ferrari. So that's why it's Ferrari versus Ford in some regions. And it is just... Ford turned around and said, I don't care what it costs. I don't care. It's not about making money. It's about our image. Yeah. So they throw everything into it. And it's Matt Damon is giving carte blanche to do whatever he wants. But then you've got Josh Lucas who turns up, who's the sort of archetypal. He's the one character I didn't like because he was the one person who seemed very like film cliche, like the exec who didn't Mm. like what was going on. And it wanted it to be about him rather than about the theme, which... From everything I've read up about since, I don't think that character existed. Right, okay. And they've created it to have a sort of jarring effect. Mm. And from what I can read about Ken Miles, he wasn't that much of an arse either. He was quite a nice, amiable chap who did what was sort of asked of him. So I feel like they created that just to give the film a bit more drama. And that yeah. was the one bit that I perhaps... I don't know that I would have removed, but I think he could have been toned down a little bit. Yeah. But the actual racing, and I think this will come up when we're talking about films... The actual driving and racing, they do such a good job of like putting you in that chair and making you feel like you're taking those corners at 100 miles. Like there's a bit where Henry Ford gets in the car and Matt Damon takes, oh, him for a, takes him for a spin and he essentially has a breakdown. Yeah. But you felt like that. You genuinely felt like you were in a car going mm. at like hundreds of miles an hour. And yeah, I just... It, it just felt really real. It didn't feel shiny or anything like that. It just felt like grounded and real. And I'm sure I read somewhere that to recreate some of the race footage, they actually had to film on different tracks. Yeah, five different tracks for the Le Mans track and as put well. And put it all together, obviously get everything tied up. So the lighting obviously had to be the same, the weather had to be the same, and even getting the clocks right yeah. so that the clocks were right in all the scenes. Um, I thought that was really clever because I, you obviously couldn't tell. Mm. Um, it was stitched together as it were. But yeah, really, really recommend that. I think that'll uh, make an appearance in our end of year pod. I would have thought, I'd be surprised if it doesn't. I think we both gave it quite a high score on Letterboxd as well. Um, Which is unusual for both of us to do. (laughs) It is. I mean, one thing to say about this as well, just like with how good it was, so I think it started at half seven or something like that, so I Mm. think I got home about quarter past eleven I was so, like, buzzed off my tits from having watched it. I sat up and watched another film and I was up to, like, one o'clock in the morning, absolutely no problems because my adrenaline was just running so high. And what was quite funny, we saw loads of people drive out of the car park really fast. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was doing the old... <laughs> on the old pedals, just, like, up, down. But literally just bunny-hopping yeah. round <laughs> by Tesco, <laughs> yeah. But you don't get out quickly out of Hemel Cinema when there's been a big show in the no. queue all the way around the corner. So that's that. Um, yeah, I would heartily recommend Le Mans 66. Yeah, 
defo, defo worth your time. Which brings us on nicely to our buy watch bin. So Terry and I decided to obviously do a buy watch bin based on that film. And we, we talked for quite some length, I mean, for, for minutes at least, about <laughs> what kind of films could, could we include. We decided not to include things like the Fast and Furious films because we, we talk about those at some length anyway. Yeah. Just, you know, on, on our day-to-day lives. Um, and we decided to not include anything that might have some, somewhat of a chase in it. So something yeah. like Fury Road we wouldn't include. Although... Technically, there is a race in it as well, but we decided to stick to track racing. Yes. That was our brief that we gave ourselves, is, is the Which film... Which went from about, gave us a section of about a million films, <laughs> down to about 12 films. It narrowed it down <laughs> so much. Um, but we still managed to come up with three different films each. I mean, we, I, we had to wrestle over one of them. I bagsied one immediately. Um, and in hindsight, it probably wasn't my best card to play, but... I bagsed one straight away and then Terry, Terry nabbed another one, which obviously would have been on my list. Um, <clears throat> as we've spoken so highly of Le Mans, I was thinking, Terry, of maybe creating a bit of a shit sandwich and starting with our bins. But you said we would up. never ever mix up the buy watch bin format. I, say, I said we would never deviate from that, but I feel like we've gone from high to like then we'll go into another high because we're talking about our buys and then we'll just finish on a terrible terrible down note yeah let's get the shit out the way I've got then. a feeling we've both got shit bins well that is the pre- the premise of the bin but, but really yeah. shit bins um who wants to go first you go first I've, I can't I've already done a buy watch bin okay um so my bin is a film which I found by accident um and I was I was scraping around looking for films because I don't really have a collection of track racing films um i just watched fury road over and over and fast and furious obviously um i did try and um i did mean to watch the film street racer i think it's called which i think is on like a futuristic track but I oh think... speed racer speed racer yeah that was on my potentials but i didn't manage to track it down we had a copy donated to the shop oh. and i bloody forgot to buy it before my day off so Missed I remember watching it when it came out and it being fucking mental but <clears> enjoyable. <throat> but it was like, but it had a track. So I was I was searching for some films to watch on Netflix and there was a film that I typed in, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but they didn't have it, but you know when they kind of say people also searched for this, and quite often it's it's a film that's connected to the one you've searched for by either the lead actor or the director. Whereas this film came up, I'd never heard of it, but it was actually another racing film and it was a film called Dirt which I'd never heard of in fact I think it's so shit I've, I've just noticed I haven't even written the title down <laughs> on my notes I've just written bin in big letters um so I, I found this totally by accident I thought well I'll give it a watch um a film called Dirt not the Dirt just Dirt not to be confused with the film about Motley Crue which mm-hmm. is also on Netflix uh, it's from 2018 and it stars Kevin Dillon who of course has got a famous brother um, and who well, Kevin Dillon's fairly famous in his own right. Yeah, but I did think I was watching the other Dillon <laughs> uh, when when the picture came up on the screen. Um, he plays a guy called Rick Radden who manages an off-road racing team. So although it's called off-road, they're still racing on a dirt track. So it's it's still fitted into the brief. And I've done off-road racing, and it was on a track. So bullshit. Uh, well, no, because it's not that it's on a road. The track doesn't have to be a road. It's just a course that you have to run around, isn't it? It was on tarmac as well. Well, that was a shit off-road yeah. race, then. I felt like I was missold that. Anyway, anyway, 
so he manages this team and his his driver is good but he's an arsehole uh he treats the rest of the team like crap he's not showing up on time he's not winning um so he he's good but he's not the best and they're in danger of losing their sponsors xyz all of this and anyway one one day things come to a head and not matt dylan kevin dylan's character sacks him sad enough now in the build-up to this they've taken on this young kid called des truss who is a bit of a ne'er-do-well he's been caught stealing cars and so a local cop has who knows him from a sort of a driving program from when they were younger has sort of approached kevin dillon and said could you take him under your wing you know could you be like his guardian for a while otherwise he's going to end up you know doing time and his little sister's going to go into care so this guy's there he's not from the kind of background he doesn't he doesn't know this off off-road racing malarkey and all of this but anyway he's you know, he's, he wants to make sure his sister's going to be okay, so he's trying his best, but he's sort of saying, you know, he's trying to make uh, suggestions to improve the car, to make it faster, and anyway, one day they let him have a go in it, his laps are quite good, so when they sack their driver, they decide that Des Trust can have a go, and anyway, so he starts to, like, win the races and build up, and, you know, everything's lovely, and blah, 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 you know, he comes good, but it's, it's a terrible film. It's... <laughs> The, the scenes where they're actually in the cars, I didn't mind. They, they've obviously mounted cameras in the cars and the dirt from the track all flicks up and goes inside the cars and the drivers are covered and they, it's almost as if they need windshield wipers on their visors to like, because they're like clean, cleaning their visors and stuff, trying to see. I quite liked those scenes inside the cars, although they didn't show enough because it's quite a restricted view. You still didn't get too much of an idea of the racing and the the tracks seem to be similar to nascar where it's just like a big loop yeah um but but they've got all the bumps in them do you know the ones i mean where the trucks they're not bigfoot trucks but they're they're more trucks rather than cars that they're racing and they go around the the tracks with all the bumps in them oh right yeah. yeah yeah i've seen it i um, wouldn't know what it's called but <clears throat> well just off they just call it off-road racing in here. But the, I thought the script was poor. The acting was poor it, to the point where it was quite cringy at times. Yeah. And it was it was just a very typical story, you know, about a, a kid who's done something bad and, you know, comes good and, you know, and is adopted by this family and everyone's all mm. lovey-dovey and at the end of it. But it just wasn't good enough, you know? Uh, I don't know if this is being picked up on microphone, but the cats are going mental upstairs. Yeah. If you hear any crashing or banging, it's it's them. Terry and I are sitting here silently. But yeah, the, the film, not called Bin, which I've written there, the film Dirt, I would say, is not worth your time. I've I've done the, the hard work for you. It's not very long, I don't think, but I nodded off twice during. <laughs> um, it just wasn't... The, the 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 script and the acting just wasn't there. I don't know who these people were that were in the film. I get a feeling from reading some of the reviews that some of the people starring in the film might actually be from off-road racing. Yeah. Might actually be from that scene. But yeah, didn't do it for me. I mean, after watching Le Mans and then 
watching something like this. Like, where's this festering turd <laughs> even doing on my telly box? But yeah, that's my bin. What's yours? Uh, so mine, uh, which, yeah, again, uh, Days of Thunder. Yeah, I remember this from our Tom Cruise Yeah, episode. so it's Tom Cruise, <coughs> Robert Duvall, and then small parts for uh, John C. Riley, who's obviously a big actor now, but back in 1990, not so much. Randy Quaid, who's obviously now a wanted criminal. And Is he? Yeah, he's had a lot of shit going on. He, I can't remember what it was, but he was on the run. He was living in Canada or something. What, in real life? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can't... He probably went off the reservation and went mental. Um, and then Michael Rooker, who people will know as Mel from The Walking Dead and like Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's quite strange to see him in almost like a lead role in a film. Hmm. Um, so this is obviously about racing. The, partic- the style of racing in this one is NASCAR racing, uh, which... As Sonia's just mentioned, it is very much driving round and round in circles. I get a feeling that NASCAR might be mentioned quite a bit this evening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my one of the big notes I've got is that NASCAR is dull because it is just round and round and round. There's, there's like four corners and it is just, it's almost encouraged them to smash each other off the off the road and knocking them into the sides and stuff. Um, so essentially you've got uh, Randy Quaid is the owner of, or what he's building a NASCAR team that he wants to do. Robert DeVal is like this guy who, like he's your go-to man if you want to build a car and like lead your team. <coughs> and because they don't have much money, they can't afford a good driver, so they end up taking a punt on Tom Cruise, who's done a few bits and pieces here or there, but he's not actually that known as a Ever as a driver, Michael Rooker is like the star driver. He's the one who's won the previous championship. He's going to win the next championship at this rate. And essentially, it's Tom Cruise gets thrown at the deep end. He's not really listening to what Robert Duvall is saying. He's having a really bad relationship on the track with with Michael Rooker's character, where there there's a race where they both end up coming off. And essentially, Robert Duvall and Tom Cruise get to know each other and Tom Cruise is like, the reason I don't do anything that you tell me to do is because I don't understand you. Like, I don't know cars. I just get in a car and drive it. When you tell me to like drop down into this and do that, I don't. I physically don't know what you mean to tell me. So then he, they sort of make a deal where it's like, I'll talk down, I'll like talk in terms you can understand and when you don't understand me, you ask and I will explain it properly to you. He starts doing really well. Um... So some of the action is okay, but it's it's just really dull. I just didn't have a lot of interest in the film, in the characters. Um, very predictable throughout. Nicole Kidman rocks up as a doctor who has a romantic inclination towards Tom Cruise. Shock horror. Um, were they one, together at that point? Uh, I don't know if they were together, but Tom Cruise handpicked her for the role. Mm. reading the uh, trivia I mean the one thing that really surprised me was it's directed by Tony Scott who's a director that I really really like and he's made some films that on paper would sound shit like Unstoppable where you've got a train that won't stop and he's normally a really good visual director and they look really good but I didn't think Data Funder looked that good no I don't think anything my favourite bit of the whole film right at the end mini spoiler Tom Cruise wins the race (gasps) Um, and him and Robert Duvall have a running race. 
Now, Robert Duvall must have at least 40 years on Tom Cruise. <laughs> and as anyone knows, if there's one thing Tom Cruise does in films, <clears> it's run. He loves it. Evidently, back in 1990, he hadn't quite developed that running style, or he's put him on a shit run so that he doesn't just destroy Robert Duvall in this way. I tried to find a clip of it, of just that, so I could show you, because it's, it actually made me laugh. But you can't just find it, so I'm assuming you just have to watch the whole film. But that was the highlight for me, 10 seconds at the end, where an old man runs against a young man. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't in any conscience, like, even say, oh, if... I didn't like it, but if you like this, you'll like it. I can't think of anything you like. I mean, maybe if you're really into NASCAR, then you would like it. But from what I understand, reading reviews, people within NASCAR publicly like said the film was shit, and that's not what happens in NASCAR. So I think even if you like NASCAR, you won't like it. Oh, dear. So it's a double thumbs down for me for Days of Thunder. Right. Moving on then, we're on to buys. We're not going to do it in full reverse order. You want to do it reverse order? Yeah, I'll figure yeah. it yeah. Okay, then we'll do it in full reverse order. Let me get my notes up then, because I'm now on my wrong page. <laughs> my watch is from 2006. Uh, the film that I was going to have for watch, Terry dibbed. That's fair enough, because I dibbed a film for buy, so, uh, which I don't think he wanted anyway. I needn't have dibbed it. But... And I dibbed it to buy as well, so... Um, my watch from 2006 is Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, because I couldn't find any um, factual, interesting films about racing. So I just thought, well, I'll go for a comedy, and I actually quite liked it. So I'd never seen it before. It's been knocking around for, well, it's been knocking around since 2006. But it's never been a film that's appealed to me. It was one of those ones where Will Ferrell had that patch where he churned out like a film every year where yeah. he had like Blades of Glory, semi-pro. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so Will Ferrell plays Ricky Bobby, who, and this is NASCAR again. So NASCAR making an appearance. As a kid, his dad was a driver, as he remembers him. And so he dreams of becoming... A racing driver and you see you see a little bit of his childhood growing up and then it fast forwards and all of a sudden he's a champion driver and he's in this team he wins all the races and his best friend Cal played by John C. Riley, yeah is his teammate and it's it's a case of Ricky Bobby comes first and Cal always comes second shake and bake <clears throat> that's exactly right shake and bake typical Will Ferrell humor jokes it's it's funny it's not constant i don't think it passed the six laugh test if i'm honest for me it started to get funny when sasha baron cohen rocked up he plays what's his name i've written it down jean girard a french um formula one driver who decides he wants to try and challenge ricky bobby to, to take his title because Ricky Bobby is always winning and it's when he turns up it started to get a bit funny mainly because they made lots of jokes at his Frenchness and his sexuality because he's gay and just cheap 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 gags and they amused me um, but the the appearance of this Jean Girard really makes well, it, re- it really threatens Ricky Bobby because he's he realises he's kind of met his match here because 
Jean Girard sort of drives... There's one scene where he's driving around, winning a race at great speed, but sat in his car reading a book, you know, <laughs> with classical music playing in the background because he's so relaxed and everything about it. Ricky Bobby's... So his title is threatened, his friendship with Cal goes down the toilet because Ricky Bobby's wife is suddenly like, shit, I'm not married to a champion anymore. So she just she just marries Cal behind his back. Um, and Cal honestly can't see that anything's wrong with that. He's just, he just thinks they're still going to hang out and they're still going to be mates. He's like, how can you think this? And Ricky Bobby basically goes back to his mum to just try and like rebuild his life. It's been a long time since I've seen this film. It's just silly. It's fun. The racing clips are silly, so you're not going to watch it. It's not like edge of your seat stuff like we saw on Monday or anything like that. It's just bants. It's been said that it's the Anchorman of NASCAR. Because it's directed by Adam McKay, who did Anchorman. But he also did, when I was checking my things, he also directed Vice and the Big 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 Short. um, Which I was astounded by because I was... They're two films that we've spoken about before, mm. which of course are in a fairly different vein to Talladega Nights and Anchorman. Just, I mean, Vice is essentially, I mean, it's not quite Will Ferrell comedy, but it's a comedy set in the political sphere. No, but it's not, it's not as, you can't it's not, say no, it's, it's not like Talladega like, Nights. It's not like knob gags. No, which is, <laughs> which is, you know, just what I'm after when I'm watching my racing films. But I thought it was... It was just really good fun. I thought it showed sort of like the the fun side of the. I don't know anything about NASCAR, so I can't really say. But it sort of showed off the the excessiveness of all the sponsorship deals and stuff yeah. like that, which I do think there's some truth to because that Dirt film, which wasn't a comedy and it wasn't NASCAR, but there was a lot of pressure on them to win sponsors, and essentially they have the sponsors' names plastered all over their cars. So I think the more successful a driver is, the more plastered with, um, not slogans, like logos his car is. Because there's one scene where Ricky Bobby is just, he sells his windshield. I think they sell parts of their cars to advertisers. So he just sells his windshield um, and has a huge logo on it. But obviously it then means he can't see out of it. But that doesn't matter to him because all that matters to him is earning this huge amount of money. And I guess these racers can make this huge amount yeah. of money from it. Um, and I, it was just a fun watch. And it's on Netflix, I believe. I watched it on it's Netflix on and them, not yeah, Prime. I was going to watch it, but I didn't get time. Yeah. And when I was looking up... There's there's lots of films about racing that we could have chosen from. There, there wasn't hundreds, but there was quite a lot. But quite a few of them are, are quite old. Mm. I think I've said quite quite a few times there there was there was quite a lot of them that were older and they weren't available to readily watch on the telly were they no but on the list and I'm looking up lists and you look these lists up and it's not yeah you could probably just get lists of racing films online but most of the lists we look at are things like the top 10 or the top 20 best films on a given subject and Talladega Nights was included in some of the best mm. lists, as in people were rating it as a film. They're just like, as a fun film about racing to watch, it's decent. And so that's that's my watch. I think it's worth a watch. Would I buy it for my collection? No. But as a fun watch on Netflix, it's absolutely fine. 
Yeah, so I, I remember really enjoying it when I watched it, but I think I watched it when it came out, and I don't think I've watched it since. And there was a knob gag that made me laugh. Of course Thank you was. very much. <laughs> um, so my watch is a film which I ended up having to find on a random website to watch because I did own it, but I must have got rid I of see, it. I've seen it, I've never heard of it. So it's a film called Driven. The reason you probably haven't heard of it, so it's from 2001... Um, I was looking up on its performance. So I quite like it, obviously, as it's my watch, but it cost £95 million to make. What? And it took £45 million at the global box office. Oh, dear. <laughs> so that's not good. No. Um, so the the main star of the film is Sylvester Stallone, although he's not the main character. So essentially, this was apparently originally meant to be Formula One, but they couldn't get permission <laughs> for it to be Formula One. Are we supposed to believe that Sylvester S- Stallone... I don't have a stammer or stutter. Sylvester Stallone was supposed to be a Formula One driver. Yes. How would he have fitted in the car? Well, it's IndyCar racing, so that that's how they got round that. Um, so essentially, the film starts. It starts with like a montage of like the first six races of the season, showing that Bo, I forget his surname, even though I only watched it last night, um, who is essentially Michael Schumacher. He's even wearing the red overalls. He's German, despite the fact his name's Bo. Um, he's like winning all the races. He's Where's the guy. Where's Bo from then? That's not German sounding, though, is it? Are you sure? I wouldn't have called that a German name. Okay. Um, and then you've got this new rookie driver called Johnny Bly, who's like during the um, montage. There's like, he's not in the first couple of races on the podium, then he's third on the podium, then he's second on the podium, and he's sort of making a run for the title, and he's sort of coming out of nowhere. Uh, his manager of, the manager of his team is Burt Reynolds, uh, who is clearly trying to be the old boss of the Williams Formula 1 team because he's in a wheelchair. Um, and essentially, Johnny Bly, he's, he's doing okay. His brother is his manager, and his brother is a cock. Um, he won't let him talk to people. He's trying to, like... Oh, he's like constantly, oh, we need to go to this sponsor, we need to go to this sponsor. Won't just let him focus on being a racing driver. And he starts to struggle and he starts like crashing and the car starts like overworking the car. So Burt Reynolds' character decides that it's time to call Stallone out of retirement. Um, his name's Joe Tanto or something like that. Um, but essentially he what fires... John Rambo? Yeah, he fires one of the drivers and brings Stallone back in. His idea is that he'll help mentor the driver. Stallone isn't aware of this, and when he first turns up and finds out that he isn't being hired because of his driving prowess, he's being hired because he's an old fella who'll be able to help the younger fella. He's not happy, he wants to storm off. But um, essentially, he he ends up signing up. He does this trick that he does where he drives around the track dropping four quarters, and he drives the race at full speed and manages to catch all the quarters with his tyres, so when he stops, all the quarters are stuck in the tyre. It's, I'm assuming it's meant to be some sort of wow, look what he's done. But this film hasn't aged well and the CGI is not brilliant. So it really doesn't look like a Did real film. Did you buy car. it? No. Oh. Um, so I, I remember buying it when it came out. Um, so anyway, so he's trying to help Johnny, but again, his brother's being a dick. And every time he tries to talk to Johnny, he's like, no, if you want to talk, you talk to me and I'll see if I can get you time with Johnny. And it all comes to a ridiculous head so Bo's got a fiance and when it starts getting tough he dumps his fiance because he's like I don't have a life other than racing I, I don't have time for you she starts hanging around with Johnny because I'm assuming she wants to make Bo jealous um, 
and it all comes to a head at this party at one of the sponsors things they've got like the next season's cars out there she ends up getting back with Bo when Johnny thought he had to go and he just takes off in an Indy car around Chicago Stallone sees this and immediately goes you know what I need to do jump in another Indy car and chase him around Chicago <laughs> just driving around Chicago in, in indie cars, he eventually gets him to pull over and they sort of have a chat, they have a bit of a bonding session and then begins like the montage of training and him actually speaking to Johnny and Johnny listening to him, taking it on board, becoming slightly better, taking the corners better, etc, etc. Um, I mean, I won't go any further into that for spoiler territory, but it becomes like a race to the title between Bone, between Johnny um, and... Yes, Stallone's character's like falling in love with someone who's on the one of the women on the team who's like in marketing or something like that. It's a massive mess of a film. It's almost like a soap opera with everything that's going on, like this love triangle, this other thing going on. Randomly, the races have a lot of accidents, and every accident is fucking ridiculous. So I don't know if you remember ages ago, it was a genuine accident where I think it was IndyCar where a car just caught the wind and flew into the air. I don't know. It literally just took up into the air that this happens all the time and some guy ends up in the water on fire stuck in his car and all the other drivers stop and help get him out, which would obviously never happen. Um, but yeah, so the reason it's my watch, even though I've just said that it's shit, the actual driving in it, again, like with Le Mans, you really feel like you're in these cars, like, the way they've done it. Some of it is bad CGI, but some of it is clearly they've stuck a, like you said, stuck a camera on a car and they're just driving this car really fast. From what I understand, they couldn't get permission off the Formula One people, but the indie people were quite happy for them to come along, film at their races, and like there are real drivers within mm. it doing like the background stuff. And yeah, the racing is just really, really good. Sort of you're in the car as they're doing manoeuvres around each other and it is sort of, on the edge of the seat, although what's going to happen is kind of predictable in places. It's it was just, just sort of an enjoyable popcorny sort of, forget where not quite in the fast and the furious sort of switch off, but yeah, I just really enjoyed watching it. So I ended up watching it. I was up till one o'clock this morning watching it, but it wasn't like a drag. I wasn't like, mm. oh god, I want to go to bed, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I want to buy it. I need it in my collection. I'm probably not going to watch it again for a couple of years, if ever <clears> again, but. If you, like a, if you like a racing film, and yet I imagine it might well, it will appear on Prime or it will appear on Netflix, it's worth, it's worth a watch if you enjoy a racing film. Cool. The name Bo is Scandinavian. Okay. Yeah, which is what I thought it would be. And also, just uh, backtracking slightly, Randy Quaid was done for unpaid hotel bills he racked up a bill of like 10 grand or something left a didn't hotel he trash it as well or something? i didn't i didn't read that he trashed it he left a hotel without paying a huge bill and then he was found squatting in one of his old houses i believe and just yeah he had a bit of a breakdown didn't he yeah Poor randy that's what happens but him uh, and dennis quaid brothers they are aren't they uh, is it dennis quaid's just got engaged to like some 21 year old or something well yeah i wonder what she's after um so, good then. That brings us on to our buys. The film that I dibbed immediately. It is part of my collection, so I would recommend buying it. But I am slightly biased. My buy is the same as Talladega Nights from 2006. And you mentioned him in your um, little blurb 
just then about Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher actually has a cameo towards the end of this film. Um, I am, of course, talking about the thrilling racing film Cars. <laughs> the Pixar film Cars. The true life story. Which I dibbed, I dibbed immediately. I haven't watched Cars for a number of years, but I have. I actually found the original receipt in the box. Uh, it was £10, 2007. I bought it in HMV in St Albans. Happy days. And I love cars. I really, really love it. It's never specified what racing they're doing, but I would say it was NASCAR yeah. because they're just going around a, uh, a... Is it oval or circular track? I'd say it was oval. Um, and the film centres on Lightning McQueen, voiced by Owen Wilson. And he starts... You know, the film starts, they're racing. The racing scenes are obviously animated. They're obviously aimed at a younger audience, but I don't think the racing scenes are terrible. You see some crashes where Lightning McQueen has to weave in between. I think that would happen in actual races. There's a scene right towards the end where there's actually a crash. There's three cars. One of them crashes, has a roll, gets trashed. And I actually thought that crash scene was actually quite good. Mm. Uh, without being gratuitous, because it is for a younger audience, but at, but being quite not unrealistic as well, even though it's a car with a face. Um, you, if you know what I mean. The, the crash sequence was quite good, I thought. So Lightning McQueen, he's at the top of his game. Again, That it's all about getting the sponsors. It's all about winning. He's very cocky. He doesn't really respect his pit crew. He keeps changing them. He doesn't really have any friends so he has doesn't really have anyone he can rely on probably because he treats his prick crew so badly you know even they're not they're they're doing their best for him but i don't think they're 100 percent loyal but anyway towards the end of this race he's being super cocky he's winning and they're saying to him you've got to come in for new tires you've got to come in for new tires and he's just like oh, i'm like the mcqueen i can do anything or on the last lap two of his tires burst and he's just like oh no i'm not gonna cross the finish line first so he's sort of because he's a car person as in he's you know he's a car but a a people car he's a car with a face so his wheels he's kind of walking on them um if you haven't seen it so he's trying to make his way across the finish line with his two tires that are pumped up his two tires that are burst and he's almost kind of like crawling as a car because he's desperate to finish this race the two the two people chasing him two people the two cars chasing him are thinking right we've got him here we've got him here but Lightning McQueen's not giving up it's a photo finish where essentially you can't tell who's won the race because all three crossed the line at the same time the difference is Lightning McQueen has crossed the line by sticking his tongue out um and the other two have crossed the line at the same time so this is where the film begins these three cars have got to then go on to a race to decide who's going to win win the championship. They're also going to win sponsorship from a company whose name I have forgotten, but they've got a helicopter. So Lightning McQueen is desperate to get the new paint job, the new sponsorship deal and be sponsored by this company and just be like top of the game. He's got a, a truck which transports him from place to place. So... Because the cars are, you know, they're characters, they're people. Between races, he gets into the back of the truck and he has a little sleepy. 
uh, because he needs his rest between races. What I like about the animation in this film is that the eyes are on the windscreen and not they're not the lights. So I yeah. think traditionally when cars have been animated, the grill is the mouth, the lights are the eyes. But instead they put the lights on the windscreens and then the windscreen wipers are kind of like the eyebrows. And anyway, they, they have very good expressions on their faces. Long story short, as he's being transported from from one race to another, he manages to roll out the back of his truck and he's on the road. And he's got to try and catch up with his truck to get to this race. But he gets lost on the way. He's not used to driving himself out on the road. He doesn't even have working lights because racetracks have lights. Yeah. These NASCAR cars don't need lights. I don't know if that's that's actually a thing. But Lightning McQueen doesn't have lights. It's all weight and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Lightning McQueen doesn't have lights. And he he ends up getting lost and he goes through... He's on Route 66. And he ends up going through this town called Radiator Springs. And he damages their road. And he has to stay and fix the road. And he's in danger of getting to his destination to do his race. Because he has to stay and fix the road that he's damaged. Essentially, this isn't really a film about racing. It's a film about friendship. But it is a <laughs> Disney film for children that just happens to have car characters in it. And some, I think, fun racing scenes within it. Whilst he's in Radiator Springs, he realises the true meaning of friendship and love. And it goes on from there. Will he make it to his final destination? Will he take part in that race? Will he win the race? What happens? You'll have to watch to find out I love cars if you're going to ask me to watch a film about racing I'm probably watch Le Mans or maybe one other film above this one that's about racing but cars what's the other film I don't know you might talk about it oh right yeah I don't know um but if you're going to ask me to what to watch a film about cars that I love that's not Mad Max it might be this one I like it very much. I it's have my seen buy. It, but not for a very long time. I think it's worth a rewatch. I think the characters are really good fun. Mm. You've got you've got the perfect excuse to watch it now because you have a child. Yeah. You're not like me just watching it. And actually, a sad thing about this. It's sad because oh, because I've got a pet and I hate fireworks. At the start of Disney films, obviously they have the they have the castle come up, don't yeah. they, with the fireworks going off. And the poor cats shit themselves because they've had been having a right old time this last week yeah. with all the natives letting off their fireworks. I popped a Disney film on. And they're both like, what the hell is this? It's going on in the house. Trying to dilute the fear and you brought fear into the house. I household. know, I brought fear into the house. Um, Cars by Disney. It's not on your Netflix and your Prime. Buy it, you skanks. <laughs> Freeloaders. It cost me £10 in 2007. I imagine it's gone down. But in inflation, that's £6,000 Yeah, I think you could probably pick cars up for about three quid now. Yeah, I'm sure it would be, yeah. How many cars is there now? Three. I haven't seen the third one. I imagine you get a box set fairly cheap. I missed it. Yeah, you can get a box set fairly cheap. The second one, I think this probably goes with other uh, Disney slash Pixar trilogies I've seen. I've heard that the third one's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. But the second one, not so much. I can't really remember the second one. Anyway, there's not much racing involved. It's all about friendship. But they're cars. It's fun. Sonia's smiling. I feel I, uneasy. I like cars, yeah. <laughs> you feel uneasy. 
Moving on. Uh, so on to my buy. So <clears> before I do my buy, I just want to do a shout out to one I was going to use, but it's not a film, it's a documentary. But if you like racing, the Senna documentary is very, very good. Oh, is it? Yeah, very good. It's one that I do own, but it it's not in any way a film. It is just a documentary about the life and times of Ayrton Senna, who tragically lost his life in a race. Uh, so, yeah, my buy is another true story. It is the film Rush. So this is the one where we had a bit of an arm wrestle. Um, <laughs> but essentially, Sonia had more films that she'd seen and therefore could pick another film where <laughs> yeah. I just would have been left with an empty space. Uh, so this is the true life story of the... You would have had to have a Top Gear episode in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could have done, couldn't I? Yeah. One of the Africa specials. Good um, grief. <laughs> Actually, sorry, just very quickly, the uh, computer... In Lightning McQueen's truck is voiced Clarkson, by Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. I think that's one of those, because this is what Pixar do, isn't it? They in have the a certain character and they're voiced by a different celebrity from each sort yeah. of territory. And yeah, they chose Clarkson. Uh, so yeah, so this is the true life story of the rivalry between Nicky Lauda and James Hunt. Uh, in this played by Chris Hemsworth is James Hunt, who I think does a really good job. I feel like Chris Hemsworth is a very underrated actor because of the kind of things he does, like the Marvel films and other sort of action films like Men in Black. He's actually a really good actor in this because he's even got like the long blonde hair, which James Hunt did have, but he's very Thor-looking. I didn't at any point think he was Thor. I thought I was watching James Hunt. You Thor. Yeah, I know. I just I just spat a lot saying that sentence. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Daniel Brühl playing Nicky Lauder, um, who is also been in Marvel films. Yeah, he is phenomenal in it. Nice little uh, mouse prosthetic, so he's got the big, the big chonky teeth. Obviously, Nicky Lauda passed away this year, so mm. uh, bringing it all around. So it's set within the 70s, so their um, rivalry starts not in Formula 1, but in like Formula 3000, where they're both like up-and-coming races, who are both the best there are, and they quickly step up to Formula 1. Daniel, Br- uh, Daniel Brawl. Nicky Lauda buys his way into a team because he's got a rich family in... James Hunt basically gets onto a team because he's got a mate who's a bit rich. Um, they're very two very different drivers. So Nicky Lauda is very much knows how to work out a car. He can sit in a car and know immediately what's wrong with it. He'll build it from scratch. He'll do everything. He knows how to make it lighter, more efficient. And James Hunt shags around. That's pretty much what he does. A bit like, um, uh, what's his face? Christian Bale, his yeah. character. Yeah, he's very much got a Ken Miles kind of a vibe from yeah. Le Mans. They understand the car. Yeah, they understand cars. They can just be in it and they know that, that that's off. We need, like, the air's coming in the wrong way. It's going out the wrong way. The diff's not working. The Is what? That, the, diff, the differential. Um, whereas James Oh, you've Hunt, watched a couple of car films. You think you've got all the lingo. My dad's a mechanic. Shut um, up. I once looked at a car. <laughs> <laughs> I once put diesel in by mistake. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> I've got a diesel, so I need to make sure that I do that. <laughs> um, James Hunt... Is just like raw talent. He's just a very good racing driver. Although that said, Nicky Lauda does say within the film that he's just a racing driver because he's good at it. He doesn't necessarily have a passion for it. He's like, if I could make more money doing something else that I was as good at, I would, but this is what I'm good at. But yeah, James Hunt is literally just shagging his way through that. I think the opening of the film is him shagging a nurse when he's gone in when he's just had a bit of an accident. Oh, Olivia yeah. Wilde's like his wife who he ends up cheating on and she ends up running off with him but both of them are just purely centred around racing. Nicky Lauda wants to be the best driver ever, 
James Hunt just wants to win the World Championship once and they have this rivalry because they have such clashing personalities because James Hunt is more of a sort of, as I say, he's just a, yeah, this feels right, let's go, whereas Nicky Lauda will analyse things, he'll test things and test things and rebuild it. Um, as I say, it's, it's more centred around the 1976 season where Nicky Lauda was way out in front because James Hunt was just making rash decisions, driving his car too hard, not not thinking about the long game. And, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say there's one particular race where there is a massive accident and Nicky Lauda is actually involved in a massive crash where he catches fire, he ends up in intensive care. There's, They're not sure if he's actually going to survive, but he actually ends up getting back into the season and racing a car again because he's just so driven that... He says in the film like he's in hospital in intensive care, having his lungs vacuumed, which looks fucking dreadful. Officially one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in a it's film. It's that, and when they're taking his bandage off and it's all like stuck to his no, face. I can handle that. It was the lung scene. I've watched Rush twice, okay, and it properly turns my legs. You know when it, your legs go to jelly because yeah. something makes you feel so queasy? The sound. The second time I watched, because I watched Rush for the pod. Yeah. Um, I think Rush is a great film. Everyone should watch it. But I had to mute it because the sound yeah. of him having his lungs vacuumed is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen on the screen, heard on the screen. And when they remove the tube, and he says, "Do it again," and they say, "But your lungs are very bruised," and he's like, "Do it again." Just something about the thought of the lungs being bruised and then forcing that tube, that metal mm. tube, back down his fucking throat. Oh, he's, and we watch some grot, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. We watch some absolute disturbing, horrible things. But that scene is one of the most, almost vomit-inducing things I've ever seen. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's just real. Yeah, it's not, but it's like... <laughs> And the reason he says, like, vacuum them again, do it again, is because he's just watched James win another race yeah. and he's like, I need to get fit. Like, I don't want this guy to win the championship. Um, and so he ends up getting back out there. There's quite a nice scene where he's, like, back in... And he's doing a press conference and he's obviously horribly disfigured because his face caught fire. He's had to have a skin graft on his head. Uh, and one of the journalist's questions is, do you think your marriage can survive you looking like that? And I'm assuming it didn't actually happen, but there's a bit no, where... Apparently it did. Oh, it did, yeah. Oh, the question happened. Yeah, the question yeah. definitely happened. Because um, Nicky Lauda said that's his least favourite thing that's ever happened to him. Yeah. Um, but there's a bit where like James Hunt says to the guy, oh, I've got an exclusive for you, takes him out the rack and beats the shit out of him, smashes his face in and says, now go and see if your wife thinks you're still attractive and your your marriage can survive that as well because, obviously, it was a cockish thing to say. Yeah. Um, but... So, so he comes back and they start racing again. And it, obviously in the intervening time, James Hunt is caught right up with him and it goes right down to the wire in the last race. Um, I was going to say I won't spoil what happens, but if you're into racing, you know what happens. But Yeah, but if just... let's assume that the, the listeners aren't into racing. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm not going to say okay. anything else. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a real camaraderie. Reading up on it, apparently there wasn't, quite as much of an animosity between them they obviously were competitive but mm. they were much more friendly yeah. than comes across in the show but obviously that's one of those things like with Le Mans where I'm sure they invented that guy they've got to create tension so yeah. that the film works properly and so I think Daniel Brawl and Chris Hemsworth are both really good in this film I don't mm. think either of them won many awards because I I would have easily put Daniel Brawl up for an Oscar for this because being a racing fan and seeing Nicky Lauda 
He is very, very good as Nicky Lauda. Spent quite a lot of time with him, didn't he? Yeah, they became really good friends. Yeah, accent. And Nicky La- I also read that Nicky Lauda was like he one of his big regrets was that James Hunt didn't get to see the film because he thinks he'd really like seeing them both on screen because mm. James Hunt. I mean, he passed away really young at like in his mid forties yeah. from like a heart attack, but he essentially lived a life of excess and enjoyed. So, do you think it was from all yeah. the shagging? He he enjoyed his time as well. On IMDb, apparently, there's some statistic that someone reckons that he slept with five thousand women. Yeah. Which, that's quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's somewhat more than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a really good film, and again, as we mentioned, like the actual racing. So this is directed by Ron Howard, who's obviously done quite a lot of true stories like Apollo 13 and stuff. And he's just really good at making the action feel real. I don't think he'd necessarily be good at a Marvel film where it's big and it's mm. over the top, but keeping it real, keeping it like But they're still close. quite big films. It's a big film and like the noise of it is one of the things yeah. I remember. Like watching it on Blu-ray with like the speakers on it is like probably like you feel like you're in that car. Like, then there's no holding back on like this is what a Formula One car sounds like. Yeah, all like the acceleration and the moves that they would do. And when there is the big accidents, you're right in the middle mm. of it and you really do feel it. And yeah, as you said, it's just it's just a really well-made film. It's, it is on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd heartily recommend it. So it's, it's, I can't think of one weak thing about the film. It is just a very, very, very good film. It really is. And I, I could have easily had this as my buy as well. I do actually own Rush. So I could have quite happily had it as Red my Blue buy. Red case. And like Terry says, one of the best things about Rush is it comes in a red Blu-ray case. Um, we we love a Blu-ray case that's yeah. not blue. And Dan's favourite, a lenticular sleeve. Yeah, mine hasn't got a lenticular sleeve. Oh. I don't, oh no, has it? I can't remember, but my mum's actually got my copy of Rush. So it's very handy that it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to have to drive to Biggleswade to pick <laughs> up my copy of Rush. But I did give it another watch. I really, really do yeah, like Yeah, I'd Rush. forgotten. I watched, I've seen it a few times and... I knew I liked it, but I'd forgotten quite... Angry. This is the film that I watched immediately after Le Mans mm. on, say, getting in at 11. It was like, oh, I'll... Because my idea was, I'll put it on, I'll get through as <clears> much as I can, and then I can pick it up. But I ended up sitting and watching the whole thing because it's, again, just such it an does, adrenaline ride. It does whip by as well. Yeah. I don't think it's that long. It's it's over two hours. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's like so two hours, 15 or something, but... We've watched a couple of fast car films that mm. haven't seemed that long. Yeah, because whereas, like... Le Mans is very much the setup and then the driving. Rush is very much interspersed with mm. driving and then a bit of setup, driving a bit of setup. It's it's a big mixture, so I think that helps it whip along. Mm. But yeah, heartily recommend Rush. Solid buy there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Six years old already. Where does the time? Where go? does the time go? Uh, yeah, nice, nice little selection of driving films there. I reckon. Mm. I'm I'm impressed that we found six different ones. I was say when you put it down to the track, and I was googling racing films on tracks, and a lot of them, like you're saying, that a lot of them are older. There's not many other than Le Mans and Rush. They're all quite old. Like things that were coming up for me um, were like Le Mans with Steve McQueen in it and stuff yeah. like that. They were like much older films, which are not available. And I'm guessing that's who Lightning McQueen is named after. I would have thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Any more for? I suppose there's no notable mentions because we've literally talked about all the racing films. Yeah, all there the are. films. I say all the films. All the films. Yeah. So Senna would be a notable mention, but that is a documentary rather than a film. But if you're into racing, that is very very good. Yeah. Defo. 
But if you're if you're talking about track racing films, that is definitive. <laughs> We're limited, yeah. But I've I've enjoyed them. I was I was worried how it was going to go. If you remember, a few episodes ago, we did Ad Astra, and I think I put a post up and said space the boring frontier because yeah. space films just don't do it for me. But obviously there are many many to oh, choose from. Oh, there's a lot from. more of those. I was thinking, oh, here we go. We've got a subject that's going to outbore me, but or outbore space. But it, it hasn't. I've I've enjoyed it much more. Um, but then I did watch Talladega Nights and Cars as part of my um, yeah. homework, so <laughs> maybe that's why. Homework. Homework, yes. Um, I'm I'm all done. Have you got anything else you want to add? No, I'm all done on track driving cars. Okay. Well, Terry and I are, having, are in discussions about what our next topic is going to be. We will keep you updated. I will just say, I did mention it on the last episode, there is a Joker spoiler cast out starring... Uh, Terry, who's sat right here with me, and Dan from the Mother Pod. Give that a listen. Um, we're big fans of Joker here on the pod, and so is Dan. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And I'm, I was quite pleased that once, that when I listened to Joker, I think you and I have very similar feelings on it, and we both said the same thing. Was, I think it's going to feature heavily in our end of year yes. pod. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't speak out of turn because I spoke on your behalf by saying... <laughs> We will be talking about it, oh, but yeah. then you said the same thing on yours. So, are you eating at the beginning of that? Yes. Episode, yeah. So, Dan made the mistake of buying me a coffee and a muffin, and listen, then start, I thought we were going to eat and then record. Yeah, listen to the Joker spoiler cast to hear Terry chewing for a good five minutes at the start of it. Also, the Mother Pod are actually recording tonight as well oh, as are they as now? we record. They're recording a Choose Your Own Adventure episode. So I don't know if we're going to come out first or if they're going to come up. Knowing Dan, he'll come first. So, <laughs> hey, I made a cheap joke at Dan's expense. Um, they, they might be released before us. I yeah. don't know. But in any case, listen to them and listen They've to us. They've also got a apocalypse one that they did at the weekend that was quite good where they talked about what they would do in the event of an apocalypse. What would you do? Oh, it depends what kind of apocalypse it is. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't want to... Have the let's, conversation not tedious, just... let's not get tedious. In the... We're not them. For most events, I would try to survive. <clears throat> Eddie, all the food. <laughs> yes. By half past three, all my super noodles would be eaten. <laughs> I'd be fucked. As long as there was running hot water. <laughs> yeah. Tepid. Imagine having a... Uh, yeah, a hard super noodles. Just dry. Just eating them raw. <laughs> yeah. Lucy, Lucy saw. Uh, Lucy had a revelation the other day when she saw my she saw me crush my super noodles in the packet and then pour them crushed into the saucepan and she was just like, <gasps> and I was like, what do you do? She's like, I cook them in the hard block. <laughs> just, I cook them in the block. No, just crush them, you fools! Crush them. No, you let them start to soften and then you. Why are we talking it? about this? Because it's important, damn it! We, the ruddy apocalypse. We is cover the big issues on too much time on our hands with theatrical cut. Potatoes and now super noodles. It's all here. We might as well start doing a cookery pod. We might as well, yeah. We're practically the bake off. I can throw things in an oven like no one else. You put chips in the oven earlier? I did. I reheated some dinner that Lucy cooked for me because I'm incapable of looking after myself. Yeah. Um, good. That's that done. Terry, another thing I struggled with last week when you weren't here was the social media. Yeah, so we are Theatrical Cut Pod on Instagram. I might have got your Instagram wrong. Apologies. Uh, Whatever I said it was on the ghost episode, ignore. Terry's going to tell you what it is now. Terry watches movies is like my movies one where I just... It's everything that I'm watching. But then there's Prefact, which is my everyday hijinks and adventures. Hijinks (laughs) and adventures is 
only ever what you're eating. Probably, yeah. That, that's my hijinks. Yeah. Uh, and then Sonia is Mallory underscore watches for all your needs on there and many other. Once you get there, you'll see that she's got a fleet of Mallory's where she's <laughs> Mallory <laughs> underscore toilet adventures. Um, I, do, I do have probably more than enough Instagram accounts. Yeah. Email addresses coming out of your eyes. <laughs> uh, and then the mother pod are TMTOH. No, that no they're not. T-M-T-O-O-H on Instagram and Twitter now because they sorted that out and they're on Facebook. Are we on Facebook? We are on Facebook. We are Theatrical Cut. Um, And then we have an email address. You might want to use it. You probably won't like everyone else. Theatricalcut at gmail.com. And we will be announcing what our next topic is going to be nearer the time that it comes out. We're not letting you decide this time. No. We'll just let you know nearer the time. We're deciding we're going to take the bull by the horns. Is that? Yep. Is that, that is an a expression? Phrase. I would never do that. Um, but the metaphorical bull by the horns, and we're going to choose our own subject. God damn it. Just like the Just mother like we pod have done choosing their own adventure. Yes. Very much like that. Um, that's it. I'm all done. If you haven't got anything else to say, Terry? No, that's me done. Mike, drop. <laughs>